Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Mondo Cool Movie Dudes, also the beginning of season 2 of Mondo Cool Movie Dudes. We're just going to call it that, because we've been gone for a long time, but now we're back. My yeah. name is Mac. My name is Sean. And my name is Keith. This year's movie is 1981's Escape from New York, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Donald Pleasance, Frank Doubleday, Ernest Borgnine, Adrian Barbeau, Harry Dean Stanton, and Isaac Hayes. Escape from New York is a 1981 American dystopian science fiction action film. How do plot synopsis? In the future, crime is out of control and New York City is a maximum security prison. Grabbing a bargaining chip right out of the air, convicts bring down the president's plane in bad old Gotham. Gruff Snake Plissken, a one-eyed lone warrior new to prison life, is coerced into bringing the president and his cargo out of the land of undesirables. That's not bad. That's actually a pretty decently written plot synopsis. Yeah, that's basically the movie. That's good. <laughs> if you like that, go see the movie, then listen to us. Points to this guy. <laughs> did a good job. Yeah. So what's your guys' history with this movie, if you have one? I don't have any history with this movie. This is the first time I've seen it, but I am a big fan of Metal Gear Solid. I guess this was an inspiration for, I guess, the MSX games back in the day. I'm not really sure. I'd say that's pretty <laughs> accurate. Yeah, but that's about it. My history is the same as Sean's. Like, I've heard about this movie, and I've seen it, like, at a passing glance, but never actually sat down and watched it until pretty recently. But, uh, yeah, that's about as far as my history goes. Yeah, I'd watched it once before, and I liked it. I thought I might have watched it with one of you guys, but maybe not. We just got it from Netflix and watch one themselves. So yeah, let's discuss the cast. What do you guys think of Kurt Russell? To be honest, I'm always happy to see Kurt Russell. Even in Death Proof, I was just like, man, this is perfect. My favorite Kurt Russell might be along the lines of like Big Trouble in Little China. He's just chewing John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. He is. But yeah, no, he's awesome. I don't really have a whole lot of exposure to Kurt Russell. Like, I feel like I missed a lot of the movies that he was prevalent in. Like, the only movie that I've seen with him in it that I can recall off the top of my head was uh, Furious 6. What was that Quentin Tarantino movie? The Cowboys. Um, the Man with the Iron Fist? Dangerous Bastards. No, it was The Hateful Eight. Yeah, The Hateful Eight. I, think uh, I, I think haven't that seen that it. yet. I knew and, he was um, kind of like the star of that. No, oh, so I've wow. seen him in that, and I've seen him in this. Is this the kind of character he usually plays? Like a gruff, stoic? Yeah, kind of. Like uh, the Roddy Rowdy Piper character. <laughs> like the They Live kind of character. It's kind of usually that guy. At least that's what I've mostly seen him in. Yeah, yeah I, I thought he was really good in this movie. No, no, yeah. he, did, he, he did a good job in this movie. He is doing kind of a Clint Eastwood impression, which is more in the history, but he basically caught to that. Like, that was a lot of what he's going for. It's just more in yeah. a uh, urban setting rather than a Western. Yeah. yeah, and it's like just kind of a low, gruff voice. I don't care about your goddamn war. High <laughs> <Hi>, D. <laughs> <laughs> Metal Gear. You know, stuff like that. Fuck about your president or your war. See, I did like him in, in Death Proof. And yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is pretty good in that as well. He was in Death Proof? Yeah, yeah he, he was, was like the bad guy. Oh like, my god, I didn't even realize. This, yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah, he eats nachos really intensely. Yeah, next up, Lee Van Cleef angelize himself. He plays Hauk, the, like the warden, basically, of the giant prison. Vice Cardinal? <laughs> yeah, I'll, sure. Captain yeah. King? <laughs> King he's of the, the county? He's the Captain Crouton. Lord of the Manor. This guy wasn't bad. He played that lawful, neutral military guy. Like, he's got a job to do, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to see that job done. Yeah, that's a character I feel like I've seen in quite a few movies where it's a guy who's maybe a pretty important cog in a machine that is maybe kind of immoral or corrupt or autocratic. But, like, himself, he He's, like, not a bad guy. He's pretty fair, really, in this He's pretty movie. fair, but he's capable of doing some underhanded things. Yeah. yeah if probably. it suits his purpose. Yeah, I thought he was awesome. I really like Angel Eyes. I like that you called him Angel Eyes, because that's yeah. all throughout my notes. That's what he's known as. <laughs> I do. I definitely, every time I see him, I just think of Good, Bad, and the Ugly. He makes me think of Ocelot from the Metal Gear games. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he looks like Ocelot. Lee Van Cleef, he's from the Man With No Name trilogy. He's an old yeah. Italian yeah. Western guy. Ocelot's got that like Western vibe, so I wonder if they borrowed some of this guy's character from this movie for that. Yeah, they probably were inspired by that guy's different mm. roles so, so, to some degree. I like his urine. <laughs> yeah. As an interesting look. Which ear is it on? Or does uh, that mean anything? I think it's the right. One side used to be the fucking gay side. Back in those days, dude. <laughs> I can't remember which like one that. it was. Were you weren't allowed to like wear, you had to wear your earring on a certain ear? Yeah, if you had it on your left or right. I don't know which one it is, but it would mean you're gay or it was like a what? tip off to uh, other gay men or yeah, I don't yeah. know what the fuck like paranoid code. that is. Yeah. This is way off topic, but I remember there's this comedian, Dat Fan, he's Vietnamese American comedian, and his mom was convinced any guy that had an earring was either gay or in a gang. And he got, <laughs> then he got his ear pierced five times and he was like, Hey, check it out, mom, I joined five gangs today. Whoa. And she's like, You also had five times gay. <laughs> It's a high level of gay. You might circle all the way back to straight at that point. Yeah, maybe it makes a perfect circle. And so next up. Oh, oh God. Max damn. Beer just exploded. Oh, man. Oh, God. I've been shot. <laughs> By God. You brought a rifle in the ring. He was a friend. <laughs> How could you? Oh, God. My arm's on the ground. <laughs> Gotta pick it up. It looks like a Lloyd Kaufman movie in here. How did so much shit and blood get in here? What's going on? So, oh. next up, <laughs> Donald Pleasance, who played the president. Oh. The president of the United States of America. <laughs> this guy was awesome. He was such a wimp. He was I a thought he was great. wimp. No, he was really good. He seemed really tough until he, you know, got in the city and then he got the shit kicked out of him naturally. And then he got tough again. So, you know, it's your call. <laughs> I think he gave, like, a, it's a really interesting, really manic performance. It wasn't yeah. too over the top. Like, it felt pretty natural, I thought. Yeah, he did a really good job. He doesn't seem like he would be president. Because no. he just has, like, a weird personality for it. Maybe sort of more like Nixon, well, who was pretty weird. He could be, like, one of those groomed guys that just yeah. got elected that way through advertising or whatever. Like, he would have fit, instead of the president like like a high profile like ceo of some company or something like he's got like the information on the tape that's who he is instead of the president he's like a middleman kind of for like a bigger scheme or game kind of what it makes me think of yeah. anyways like he's not the top dog in this situation he's he seemed just... on top to me he's the president he's the president but like you know there <laughs> might be the president there I might mean, be someone else with the more senate figures that, and more sinister on that suits. plane when there's only one man could leave it's like uh, may god help me and may god bless all of you yeah but you can't have the president die because then the whole country goes into chaos, right? Well, they're, they're just get another president. Something. Yeah, there, there's a war <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah, I guess you could say it seemed like a win, but I think most people, unsuspecting people, wound up where he did would probably react the same way. Yeah, when Snake's like, stop shaking, I can't. Dude, I can tell you guys. <laughs> You're the Duke of New York, eh, number one. <laughs> I can tell you guys right now, if that was me, I'd be the same way, man. Fuck that. <laughs> I'd brown out in my shorts. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to wear my brown shorts going in there, dude. Yeah, I'd be awesome dead in like four shorts. seconds, probably. I really enjoyed every scene he was in. This whole cast is like so far it's like the john carpenter dream team like, oh the, 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 the globe trotter. yeah the cast in this movie like, he's is, got everybody's is unbelievable ever he didn't really um have that much money to make this movie with but he got everybody's fucking in this thing it yeah. seems like it's pretty studded so next up we got frank doubleday who played romero was if you're not out here in 30 seconds you he's die the, uh, the... if you come back in he died. Rugged oh. Peter Pan. The guy with the weird ass hair kind of reminded like a... me of Brad Dorif. He looked kind of like Brad Dorif in Dune. How yeah, they have similar. Oh, and it was like yeah. up. Yeah, the guy at the beginning, right? We kind of yep. open up on him. He's not in that much of the movie, but like I put him on the list here because he's just he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's got like a weird inflection on his voice. It's like he's talking with his voice huh. kind of low, and his teeth sort of clenched. Talking through his teeth. Yeah, and he uh, moves around in a, like a weird way. He moves like a dancer. Yeah, like he some kind of street performer. <laughs> I like it's when a he like graceful man. Like he walks up. 
up to when Lee he, Van Cleef with his arms out and like bows. Or when he like leaps out of the train, he's just like, oh yeah, oh he, yeah, he just <laughs> kind like of a sidles or something. In. Yeah, he has a great presence. He's so weird. I think he's like his teeth are like sharpened down. I did not notice that. I should go back and just watch more of the scene with this guy because he's oh, really interesting. I think. All right, brace yourself for impact. Oh God, raise the shields. Let's see if I can. Oh, oh, oh that's not too bad. All Anticlimactic. Right. <laughs> this one was a dud. Shame for the spray. <laughs> you bring shame on family. Oh, boy. I'm going to pour some cold water on that, Keith. <laughs> so next up, we got Ernest Borgnine, mermaid man himself, who played Cabby. Oh, yeah, Cabby was awesome. That's yeah. why his voice sounded so yeah. familiar. Yep. He died a few years ago, but yeah, yeah he I... was on SpongeBob. He was in a lot of movies going back to at least like the 50s. Oh, great, we got to get another oh, pizza. Gotta, gotta... The radiation's too high. we got to adjust the coolants here. Cabby wanted nothing bad for anybody. Cabby got hurt the most, man. His <laughs> cab was destroyed. He got spoiler, spoiler alert. He got shot. He had to trade his hat. <laughs> they fucking stole his music. His only fucking tape he has left. He had the most tragic character in this film. He was great. I thought yeah. he was he was probably one of my favorite characters. Well, I had an interesting thought about this guy. Is I almost wonder if he's even a prisoner. He, he just lives there? Like, yeah. He loves his job well, so much that he just never left. He's I've been driving this cab for 30, 30 years. years yeah, so he was right. there in the 60s, way before it was turned into a giant prison. And I wonder if he was just somebody who really didn't want to leave. And like he still seems to almost enjoy living there and like he talks about it like it's still a real city like you don't want to be there after dark snake it's a bad neighborhood i just came up here to see the show and, and he still has like his music and everything mm. like it's the old days and he's probably uh, learned how to live on the streets probably pretty tough oh, yeah, he does like in a fair fight he's probably pretty tough but yeah. you know he didn't have a fair fight at the end he's got those molotov skills oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's right well, he's got gas like he's, he's got, got the gas from brain yeah that's right well, speaking of he's next isn't he i did an order of appearance so oh. just mm. before him is adrian barbo who played maggie i really liked maggie a lot yeah oh my goodness i'll say like, some of those, I'll some say. Of those scenes walking down the steps oh holy the shit dress she has at the end her breasts are perfect like all right quick comparison <laughs> quick comparison her cleavage versus my's cleavage from dragon ball evolution who wins easily her adrian barbeau <laughs> oh easily no contest like it's <laughs> she, not even a question there. wait she's, who she's got like a, she's got a she was the one you were talking about her cleavage in the dragon ball evolution episode <laughs> yeah the chick in the bodysuit that never like said anything definitely a hat goes to maggie <laughs> yeah it, she's she's like a classy lady yeah it was yeah. just Distracting. But she was good. Um, she was good. She, I liked her. She, she had like this uh, this quiet intensity that was about to pop at some point. I don't know she if had, it does. She had this glare. You yeah. Know, ice cube style. Like, she's, she's been around. Like, <laughs> yeah. she, knows, she knows how to handle herself. Yeah. yeah. She's tough streetwise. I think her and Brain, they made a, made a good team, good partnership. They're both like clearly smart and everything. Like I thought that they genuinely liked each other. I thought like, they worked well together. Oh, by the way, that lucky SLV, this was John Carpenter's wife at the time. Oh, wow. damn. Wow. Oh, wow. He knows how to pick them. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Way to go, fam. Yeah. Fuck me up, fam. Carpet. Your wife, hot AF. <laughs> Thick AF. This is a new and improved Mondo Cool where we put this is it. bullshit Twitter slang all over the episodes. Dude, hashtag AF. Get on the AF wagon. Telling you from AFFM. AF shagging wagon on the AM radio. FM. AFM. So, yeah, she's good. Next up, Harry Dean Stanton. Not since the days of One Magic Christmas. Oh. 
have we seen this guy? He was Gideon? Yeah. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, he was I didn't even angel. recognize him. Yeah, I mean, oh, he's got yeah. a pretty different outfit. But. He does. Different performance, too. This guy's got range for days, man. He played a very intelligent, pretty underhanded... Uh, Master schemer. He's a fucking, like, weaselly dude. He's a really smart guy. You can tell he doesn't really hold a lot of allegiance to anybody. Like, he holds allegiance to himself. Yeah, like and, he... And Maggie. He, yeah, he respects the Duke out of Pledge fear. allegiance to the Duke of, of the United New York <laughs> nah, City of America. man, no. He respects the Duke really out of fear because he has, like, the resources. I think given the opportunity, this guy, Harry Dean Stanton, would have killed the Duke himself, probably. Oh, I don't know if he would have killed him just because I think somebody like him, he'd rather be... It's better to be at the right hand of the devil than in his path. Or to have to, like, be the leader of this whole big shitty place himself. I wouldn't want that job. I'd rather just get oh, in good yeah. with the guy whose job that is, which oh, is the Duke. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he'd be a leader type. He would He would uh, turn his back on the Duke. If somebody more powerful came up, yeah. yeah. You might be right. Yeah. Hey, I guess that's kind of the course of the film, anyways. But yeah, Harry Dean, I'm always glad to see this guy. Mm -hmm. He has a unique presence and uh, some, brings something special, I think, to every every role that he does. He's so good. It's just his inflections in his voice, how yeah. he stutters sometimes. It's just so natural. He's really good. So last but not least, Isaac Hayes, who played the Duke. Oh, this guy's Duke awesome. New York, A number one. A number one. This guy was a wall. He was like Jason Voorhees. You just could not be stopped, no matter what. You know, how fast you ran, no matter where you went. He like, just... I don't know if it was the jacket or not, but he seemed like a pretty big dude. I think he was a pretty big guy. I like his weird facial... Twitch. Yeah, yeah his, his like you know so too like his, his weird eyes nervous a lot. twitch when mm -hmm. like shit was going on and yeah he definitely has a presence after like or, no it's right before like the big wrestling match and like everybody's oh, cheering yeah. and screaming and he just kind of raises his arms Everyone up shuts up and yeah. within a few seconds it just gets dead quiet he looked like what's his name from Fallout Three he looked like the DJ Three Dog from Fallout Three they ripped this movie off but you yeah you were saying like yeah. this movie does kind of have like a Fallout vibe to it it does it's it has a post apocalyptic feel yeah. yeah and it's like DC is all all destroyed in that game and here New York is all destroyed everything's lit by like torches and like everyone has like this weird makeshift leather armor that's yeah. made out of car parts and shit and like it's just car if you're, parts and toilet seats yeah and just, like, whatever they get their hands on. <laughs> yeah I'd say if you're a fan of those games it's probably worth checking out it's a familiar environment but yeah I'd say one of the best and most varied casts that we've done like this is definitely like the longest cast list that we've yeah. wound up with probably since Dune just because yeah. they're so they're so high profile yeah, like so many people are in it for you know an extended period of time and they're all good yeah they're all really awesome what did you say it was the john carpenter dream team yeah it's yeah. the globetrotters <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like you know donald pleasant uh he's got kurt russell he's got like everybody in this movie that he works with he's got it's his party cool. optimized for the battles ahead <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dude min max the sh fuck out of that shit blast processing <laughs> <laughs> so i guess we can get into the brief history of escape from new york so John Carpenter had a hard time finding directing jobs after the release of his debut feature Dark Star in 1974 and decided to try to make it in Hollywood as a screenwriter. He wrote Escape from New York in 1976 as a response to the Watergate scandal and the cynical mood in America that followed it. He was also inspired by the film Death Wish released in 1974. He disagreed with the film's philosophy but liked how it conveyed the sense of New York as a kind of jungle and I wanted to make a science fiction film along these lines. Carpenter was also influenced by Harry Harrison's 1962 sci-fi novel Planet of the Damned. Nice. The, the film was co-written by Nick Castle, who's best known for portraying Michael Myers in the original Halloween film. Castle went on to become a director in his own right. According to Carpenter, no studio wanted the film at first because it was too violent, too scary, and too weird. After the success of Halloween in 1978, Embassy Pictures signed Carpenter to a two-feature deal, the first
first of which was 1980's The Fog. The second was originally going to be The Philadelphia Experiment, but it was held up by script problems. It wound up coming out in 1984 and was directed by Stuart Raffle rather than Carpenter, who moved on to Escape from New York. At this point, Carpenter brought in Nick Castle, who came up with the character of Cabby as well as the film's ending. Embassy Pictures preferred Charles Bronson or Tommy Lee Jones for the role of Snake Plissken over <laughs> Kurt Russell. Tommy Lee Jones? I don't know. I really like him. I do too, yeah. Yeah, that would be probably pretty cool. How different do you think it would have made the movie? Do you think it would have still been able to be what it was, or do you think it would have taken like kind of a different tone? I just can't picture Tommy Lee Jones in that weird black tank top and eye patch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, It Tommy... might have been awesome, but I just can't picture it. He's Chip Commander to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chip Commander reporting from duty. Chip, from small major soldier. Chip Hazard. I just got that that was a pun. There will be yeah. There's no There's a major mercy. hazard involving the computer chips. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, man, that movie is... It's a, Martian doll. How deep does this lore go? <laughs> it's the inception of movies. How deep does movies. the rabbit hole go? It's pretty deep. <laughs> So yeah, Embassy Pictures preferred Charles Bronson or Tommy Lee Jones for the role of Snake Plissken over Kurt Russell. As Russell had a lightweight reputation at the time, having appeared in several Disney films earlier in his career. <laughs> Russell described his character as a mercenary, and his style of fighting is a combination of Bruce Lee, the Exterminator, I don't know who that is, and Darth Vader, with Eastwood's vocalness. Darth Vader? Seriously? Yeah, dude, we call that CQC. <laughs> <laughs> A counterbalance a knife, quick slash, or track, whatever. Yeah. yeah. CQC. Incidentally, Clint Eastwood is also considered for the role, as were Nick Nolte, Chris Christopherson, Chuck Norris, and Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges yeah. or Chuck Norris. I well, it's only a year either. before uh, Tron. Jeff Bridges could have been a pretty menacing dude. I just think of him as like a teddy bear guy from Big Lebowski. Yeah, he's so chill. <laughs> he's just a cute fucking cuddly dude. <laughs> <laughs> Dudes can be cuddly. Dudes can be cuddly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russell also stated that all that matters to Snake is the next 60 seconds. Living for exactly the next minute is all there is. Russell used a rigorous diet and exercise program in order to develop a lean and muscular build. And he got it. He is fit. He's a, he's a lean cut, yeah. Prime beef. Yeah, that low fat. On the beefometer, what's he get real quick? He gets a solid three. Three? All right. I give him a 3.5. I'm okay. going to give him a four. I think he's in pretty good condition. Yeah, I just think of like sheer size of the beef. Poundage. So it's not really necessarily a good thing to me. Like, remember we talked about this on Die Hard. Like, that's five right. out of five beefs is like... It's a lot of beef. You don't want to be that beefy. That's yeah. too much. You've <laughs> gone too far with it at Muscle that point. Muscle slow you down, son. <laughs> yeah. And, You're less uh, buoyant. Yeah, you start to look like uh, Spencer Stallone looks these days, and it ain't pretty. It's like beat up. Your face is hanging off your skull. It's like, what <laughs> is happening? Hey, oh, man, I'm being the next rock movie. He also tried to stay in character between takes and throughout the shooting as he welcomed the opportunity to get away from the Disney comedies he'd done previously. He found it necessary to remove the eye patch between takes as wearing it constantly seriously affected his depth perception. Russell said Escape from New York is his favorite film he's acted in and Snake Plissken is his favorite character he's played. Jamie Lee Curtis, who starred in Halloween, provided the film's narration. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think she was credited for whatever reason, but yeah, that was, that was her. Anywhere. Former president Gerald Ford's son, Stephen Ford, plays a Secret Service agent in the film. Is he the blonde guy with the glasses just, trying to knock down the door? Bumps on the it's door. Like it won't work. It might be him. I, I, that'd be <laughs> it's funny. Hilarious. <laughs> Carpenter, along with production designer Joe Alves, rejected the idea of shooting on location in New York as it would be too expensive.
expensive to make it look semi-destroyed. Carpenter suggested shooting on a back lot, but Alves thought it was a bad idea because the texture of a real street is not like a back lot. According to producer Deborah Hill, location manager and associate producer Barry Bernardi was sent on a sort of all-expense-paid trip across the country looking for the worst city in America. <laughs> Whoa. He suggested East St. Louis, Illinois because it was filled with old buildings that exist in New York now and have that seedy rundown quality that was needed. Entire neighborhoods had been burned down by a large fire in 1976. As Hill put it, block after block was burnt out rubble. In some places there was absolutely nothing so they could see three or four blocks away. Other parts of the film were shot across the river in St. Louis, Missouri, as well as in New York City itself. How eerie do you think it would be to like walk around in a city like that that's like completely empty? Oh, yeah. East St. Louis, that, let's just say it's like Detroit on crack. It's like the worst city in the country. Oh, um, my God. There used to be 82,000 people there. Now there's like 27,000. They have a, a murder rate of 101 per 100,000, which I'll just say New York City is maybe five. Pretty five, It's dude. like Honduras has the highest murder rate of any country in the world. It's like a little bit worse than Honduras even. It's just the biggest shithole imaginable. I don't think they really did that much to dress it up when they shot the movie. I think it really did look that fucked up already. It does have that vibe. It does have like that realistic vibe to it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a, it was a great decision not Just, to shoot yeah, it on yeah, a set. To make it in New York like that, yeah, that would take like so much time and money mm -hmm. to uh, close off sections of the blocks and then do all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Shooting took place from August to November of 1980. Carpenter persuaded the city of East St. Louis to shut down electricity for 10 blocks at a time at night. Because of the nocturnal shooting schedule, the cast and crew barely saw daylight for <laughs> two and a half months. Escape from New York was the first ever film allowed to be shot on location at the Statue of Liberty at night. Carpenter was interested in creating two distinct looks for the movie. One is the police state, high-tech, lots of neon, United States dominated by underground computers. That was easy to shoot compared to the Manhattan Island prison sequences, which had few lights, mainly torch lights like feudal England. Future director James Cameron worked as one of the film's directors of photography and created some of the map paintings used in the film. Oh, wow. The wireframe computer graphics displayed in the film were, in fact, created using miniatures, reflective tape, and a blacklight. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. All the computers were capable of generating that kind of visual at the time, it would have been too expensive considering the film's small budget. The scale model that was built was repainted and reused for the 1982 film Blade Runner. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Escape from New York spawned one sequel, Escape from L.A., with Carpenter and Russell returning to direct and star respectively, which was released in 1996. After a decade of speculation, a prequel film is currently in the works. Wow, really? Yeah, apparently. Huh. Sounds weird. Where, where, he, is, where he escaped from first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's Yeah, like, where was he first? Escape from the uh, war. For like <laughs> New York while it's in decline, maybe like leading up to the decision to prisonize it. Maybe it'll be uh, about Snake robbing the banks and shit. Robbing maybe. the Federal Reserve. By the way, there is a deleted scene that I only watched a little bit of of that bank robbery, I guess. Oh, it's on cool. YouTube. We could watch it later. And Escape from New York was made with a budget of $6 million and made how much in the U.S.? We don't have the worldwide total, but... What year was this movie again? 81. 81? going to say made $25 million. Okay. I want to say 54. Keith, you almost nailed it to a tease. Oh, 25 points. Yeah. 25.2 million. Right. Wow. Good job, man. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> GG, man. GG. GG, bro. Nice one. <laughs>
<laughs> so a little bit about John Carpenter, in case anybody doesn't know who he is, he's pretty famous, but whatever. <laughs> American director John Carpenter is one of the best known and most highly regarded directors of the science fiction and horror genres of the last 40 years. His feature film <laughs> debut came in 1974 with the sci-fi film Dark Star, which was partially a spoof of 2001 A Space Odyssey. He's also known for his work on Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Halloween 2, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, in the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, the 1995 remake. What? He did that? Yep. <laughs> that was awesome. He did In the Mouth of Madness, too? Yep. I haven't seen either of those. But <laughs> Escape from L.A., and John Carpenter's Vampires, and Ghosts of Mars, among others. Ooh. Quite a resume. Yeah. yeah. Prolific director. Carpenter has also composed the soundtracks for many of his films, most notably Halloween and Escape from New York, and has released several standalone albums. I didn't know that. That's cool. I got a few of them uh, a couple weeks ago. They're pretty good. Nice. I'll have to check that out. So we start off in this movie with some dark and ominous tones. Some pretty long opening credits. Three, three and a half minutes probably. Pretty cool synth music. Oh my god, yes. Pretty nice. Like this neat soundtrack. Very distinct. Yeah, very, very distinct. Especially this opening track. It almost sounds like something that would have been like on the Commodore 64. Like that's what the sound chip sort of sounds like. Probably this will wind up being what I use for the intro. (laughs) Oh yeah, nice. So they tell us like about kind of what's been going on in the meantime. In 1988, crime rises 400%. How? And I was wondering about that. How did, did crime that did crime rise four hundred percent between say nineteen eighty one when this movie came out and nineteen eighty eight, or did it rise that much just in that one year? Because that's very extreme. Yeah, that's for crime to just quadruple in twelve months. <laughs> People um, just had enough, man. Like they can't handle it anymore. They steal shit now. Yeah, dude. So what they did is they just turned New York and Manhattan Island into a, the largest maximum security prison for the entire country. Yes, yeah, United the, States. Not only is it a prison it's the only <laughs> prison in America and it's yeah. surrounded by a 50 foot wall there's no guards and all sentences are life sentences so that made me wonder too just if that's the punishment for any and all infraction you kind of have two choices to make as a country at that point are we going to like legalize little things like shoplifting and like jaywalking and shit well that, that would just be a ticket yeah that might be different but you know like yeah. minor crimes like misdemeanors either that or probably crime disappeared almost overnight because if you don't feel like break any law your whole life is at risk like if you get caught oh yeah is it yeah. worth it to take that bag of potato chips I don't think so yeah the no. life sentence is you, you gotta live in this new world <laughs> yeah the world they've created for themselves as they a say whole yeah new world. it's pretty hairy man <laughs> I thought like also why Manhattan because I do have sort of a theory of why it was Manhattan but like why not just have like a big you know basically valueless patch of desert somewhere out in like Death Valley that you turn into a giant prison yeah like, like why ab- centipede three yeah like why abandon <laughs> the whole 28 square miles of a city convenience probably i mean it's already surrounded by water that's true but you could have taken like you know one of the less inhabited hawaiian islands for example or you gotta fly these guys all the way out there who's got money for that but still i mean if you commit a crime in california they're gonna haul your bitch ass all the way to the east coast yeah like what did it do (laughs) that's pretty far what did it do for the economy just turning an entire city into a prison yeah what happened to that i think really just that john carpenter thought it was a cool idea it is a cool idea but if you think about like in real world practicality it doesn't make the most sense New York City though you could have also been trying to say something about the city itself like 1981 was there's actually a movie that takes place in New York City that came out a few years ago it takes place in 81 called A Most Violent Year because it was the highest crime ever was in New York City before or since so maybe that's why he thought like well this place is already kind of a crime ridden scum hole (laughs) guess it'd be like there's so many people that would already wind up in that prison that live there might as well just make that the prison 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> and then it cuts to 1997. Now. There's a 50-foot okay. containment wall yep. that runs along the Jersey Shore, the Harlem River, and up the Brooklyn shoreline. Yeah, it's all walled off. Yeah, the bridges and waterways are mined, yep. so they can't get out. And the police force was basically turned into the army over the course of that. Yeah, sort of militarized. Yeah. So yeah. The city is basically... It's a free-for-all. It's, it's a free-for-all. Pris yeah. The prisoners can do whatever they want, but they're in there it's all together. Battle Royale. Yeah, can you, you dig, dig it? it? And yeah, so it's 1997. So 16 years after the movie was made is when it takes place. And we open on an escape in progress. And these guys in a little raft. What the fuck is thinking they're going to get away? <laughs> this is helicopter just like turn around. And they start turning around and they blow them up anyway. Yeah, yeah what do they do first? They spray them with a machine gun fire. Then they blow them up with a stinger missile. Yeah, I was, rocket or I, was, I was confused. I was like, and did they make it back to the shore? Did they turn around? Did they kill them? Like, what happened? Yeah, they, no, they killed them. Yeah, it was funny. I hadn't noticed this previously, but I happened to pause the movie right at that part and you can see there's a dummy like 15 feet in the air <laughs> yeah. the, the dentist kind of like s- splashes back down into the river yeah the rules are simple once you go in you don't come out but yeah it's funny too because you can see like well the manhattan skyline of course is all dark but there's still it looks like on the brooklyn and queens side there's still like lots of lights like people still live over there mm-hmm. like that'd be kind of sketchy to me i'd be a little nervous live that close to the only prison in the country yeah like what if something you know what if the computers go down man what if the computers go down everybody's well, out still that wall this is where um it's like some of the shots <laughs> yeah, of those right. mat uh, those uh matte paintings right like those look really good yeah yeah, yeah like, they look james awesome. cameron did a pretty damn good job on those uh, matte paintings yeah, way to go james yeah way to go jimothy Cameron <laughs> and I thought it was kind of funny kind of ironic having the kind of command center of this whole prison be on Liberty Island that is pretty ironic yeah I like that there's a prison bus that comes in on this uh, airway it's damp parking and it's uh there. it's just like a city bus that they kind of turned into a prison bus like they took the that is ads what it looks off like. and stuff a man is escorted off with yeah, guards we see snake he walks through like this really sterile looking environment and there's mm. these signs that say no talking no smoking follow the orange line yeah it's almost like being at the hospital yeah and there's this voiceover explains like you can choose to be terminated now (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like i mean like that's that's pretty fucked up like they give you the option to just like not i'm out man just take me out now pretty intense i think if you're gonna dive into this system of just life imprisonment for everybody i think that's honestly that's fair you know it's pretty humane because i mean that is what some people who wound up with life imprisonment you know we live in a state that doesn't have the death penalty would rather have just been killed to some people it is a worse punishment i believe to just go it. in and know you're never going out until you naturally expire i definitely believe that i don't know what i'd choose i'd probably take my chances i mean that's the thing it's like once i'm in there and i'm like you know this sucks i guess i could just kind of kill myself fuck that i'm gonna do the moral oral i'm never <laughs> going to prison yeah, i'm gonna save the taxpayers a buck yeah i'm gonna follow the law <laughs> yeah lee van cleef appears yeah. and tom atkins who is the guy that i mentioned is also in night of the creeps he tells and there's a small jet in trouble about seven miles away and closing that it's not responding and they go down to this like radar room which looks really cool like it i love how like, pretty neat. Uh, like the glowing green dials and the radar yeah. like it was pretty cool looking then we hear like a dispatch from that plane it's too late assholes there's this woman that's hijacked the plane yeah. and she speaks on behalf We're going of, to crash yeah she's speaks on behalf of the soldiers of the national liberation, national liberation. front of america of america yeah. yeah they've hijacked the plane yeah. and what's their goal they're just gonna fly it into a wall right yeah there's yeah. 
they're gonna pull a up. fucking 911 yeah, and dude. crash that bitch into a building speaking of which there is one part that's kind of yeah. creepy because there's a plane you see it just sailing in the general direction of yeah. the Twin Towers which are still standing it's pretty haunting yeah. even to this day unless we forget but yeah she's like we speak on behalf of the workers and the oppressed they combat the imperialistic racist oligarchy police state because to the guy hammering well not really hammering against the door <laughs> with the, the butt of his gun just he's just like <laughs> tapping it he's just like they probably just couldn't like, afford, like, a door that would actually stand up to a good beating, so they just, yeah. like, don't hit it too hard, bro. I'm glad Gerald Ford's son, whatever. I'm glad that's in the movie. <laughs> he calls him bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny, the way he just slowly but deliberately taps on the door. Yeah, and he just walks away, and he's like, I can't get it open, sir. It's but, like, he didn't even try. There were these sort of weird left-wing radical terrorist groups in the U.S. in the 70s. Like, there's the Weather Underground. You know, they bombed a lot of shit, but they deliberately, like, set the bombs off at night where nobody actually got hurt. Just trying to send a message. And there's also the Symbionese Liberation Army, or the SLA. I think one of their members, yeah, actually did try to kill Gerald Ford. Failed. And they also, like, kidnapped Patty Hearst, this heiress, and, like, robbed a bunch of banks and shit. God damn. And that was their kind of rhetoric, you know? <laughs> that's kind of the way they would talk about things, is the way hmm. that woman does. But yeah, I thought the whole movie had sort of a 70s vibe. It did. It totally did. It felt it was, more uh, like a 70s movie than an 80s yeah, movie Yeah, I got a me. really thick, uh, the Warriors vibe. Yeah, I thought of, of the Warriors, yeah, from 79, and also, these movies have seen but I have sort of like know what they're about like post-apocalyptic movies from the 70s like the Omega Man and Logan's oh, Run. Mad Max. Mad Max isn't that yeah, a 70s? That's 79 yeah and uh, yeah a few other movies like that Blood Car which I haven't seen yet it's a personal <laughs> mission of mine Car if anybody has blood. it out there mail it to me. DVR that shit send it in. Send it through the internet I don't want my physical address out there <laughs> that's true. You <laughs> should get a P.O. box <laughs> we should get a P.O. box. That'd the Mondo cool. cool P.O. box. People write in. That wimp guy he kind of runs in on like a long table surrounded by white men and he's like sir we gotta go and he's like this guy is lifted up you find out that he's the president and he's like take yeah. me to the pod or whatever it is <laughs> and whatever speaking of the 70s I mean this pod is such a 70s pod it's red it's, it's pod. like a it's, a it's an orange like a burnt orange like egg, egg shape yeah. it's classic <laughs> it 70s. looks cool it reminded me of it's a newer movie but what's that crazy sci-fi movie what the f Beyond the Black Rainbow Beyond the Black Rainbow that's what like something that would be in that movie yeah because yeah, it's, it's, that takes place in the early like 80s that as well aliens suit or whatever the fuck. I also picked up in this part some of the stuff that the woman hijacker was saying. It wasn't a coincidence which I had always assumed that they wound up in New York. Like mm -hmm. she intentionally wanted to crash this guy into sort of the hell that he had created of a prison. To, she wanted to put the fear in this guy. She yeah, wanted to yeah. know what he had created. Because I was thought, like what are the odds? Now I, yeah. I realize that it was, it <laughs> yeah. was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> um, he handcuffs himself to a briefcase. We don't know what's mm -hmm. in it at this point. Oh, and, obviously it's something important. Yeah before he leaves he says God save me and watch over you and all watch over you all yeah like i like him in that scene because he's like so calm but so nervous mm. he's like kind of keeping a straight face but he's almost sort of like twitching and around at the same time and yeah i put the tracking bug on his wrist so yes they'll know where he is plane crashes which is this like what this neon little bloop 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 yeah that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> they show it like crashing through a building it's like a simulation of like just the, the wireframes blowing nose apart. view so <laughs> this nose also view, and then there was like rear view or whatever. Yeah. They had different cams. And that was in the glider later. This makes me think too of like weird 9-11 conspiracy theories of like 9-11 imagery showing up in cartoons and stuff years before. Oh yeah, like Johnny Bravo predicted 9-11 yeah, shit like that. Yeah, the thing on The Simpsons where it's like, go to New York yeah. for just $9 and it's the Twin Towers look like an it's 11. It's like, what? What? Oh my god, Illuminati. I don't even know if the 
implication is that like the Simpsons animators in fucking South Korea somehow knew what was coming. They were in on it. Like, yeah, dude. anime. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say that too, and I was just thinking like that might tastefully gonna, done, of course. Yeah, like, that might be like pretty an, good. An alternate history where like Goku stops it by like no. watching himself through the planes. No, like a totally accurate <laughs> depiction of it. One of those like dramatic animes, you know? Well, like Ray oh, yeah. of the Fireflies. Yeah, was, yeah like, something Hiroshima like that. Spirited away, you know, like one. Now well, maybe not like that. I guess a little more whimsical. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 I don't know about the whimsical that whimsical 9-11 anime. This is no, that could be highly r- offensive. No, actually, that I think that could be really good. It'd probably be really be cool. disturbing to watch. Yeah, but it would be a, a cool animation style to use that. Because I've seen key with. parts of Grave of the Fireflies, and it is horrific. No, it's, it's skin a t- melting off their bodies. I've never seen this. It's a totally, like, oh, played man. straight dramatic yeah. retelling of, like, a war story about uh, a little boy and his sister. Holy shit, this sounds awesome. It's not. It's, like, one of the saddest <laughs> movies you will ever watch. Oh, I mean, it's, it's a thing. Is like I'm prepared to cry. It's probably a really good movie. It but is. It's just no, like it is a very good movie. Disturbing huh. as hell. The, yeah, oh. the subject matter is what makes it so horrific. Okay. Yeah, the plane crashes, the pod drops in the city, and Angel Eyes, he's on the job. Yeah, the oh. choppers, they fly guys into the crash site. We get our first good look it's at a, Manhattan. It's a fucking dump. Man, yeah. <laughs> look at my place. It stinks. It smells like chud everywhere. What the hell? It was like a chud orgy. <laughs> so these guys, they mobilize fast. They're in there. Like, they're ready to go in and get them out. They're, uh, they're moving so fast, dare I say, were they scared? They find the pod. <laughs> were they scared to be in the city? They find the pod, and yeah, it's empty. No yeah. prez. No prez to be found. He's gone. And we hear the wipeout laugh. <laughs> this guy laughing at him and talks to these... Uh, Frank Doubleday as Romero. He looks like Evil Ed. It's not him, is it? No. Yeah, there's definitely a resemblance, but to me, like, this came out like four or five years before that movie, and he already looks older. Yeah, he but that could be like old. makeup and stuff. Like, I, even I, the last I'm pretty sure I looked it up. No he's, it's, it's not uh, him. He's evil at my notes. I compared him a little bit to Roach from People Under the Stairs. Yeah, yeah so Roach. Would... And yeah, like different but similar to me of Rad Dorif in Dune. The, the white powdery had like yeah. weird it's like powder. Yeah, you remember yeah, powder. Yeah, he was like powder. He was struck by lightning when he was born. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has like... Yeah, and powders running around. He's got like weird animal pelts on him. Uh, he has a strange costume. He has like this golden colored like, bracelet on his arm. Yeah, like where are you getting these animal pelts? Uh, I don't animals know. Animals running around, like wolves running around. Uh, they got r- raccoons probably up in they Central got, Park. They do have a rat problem. You see that later on. Oh, definitely. Powder and mass double feature rats. Yeah. What's yeah. happening, guys? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we see Romero and he, and he walks really weird up towards them. Yeah, he moves kind of like a ballet dancer. Yeah, yeah like, like, almost like, like on tippy toes like with his arms evil out. Like Ed, man. Yeah. He's got that same performance. And, and um, he gives them a simple ultimatum. You touch me, he dies. If you're not out again in 30 seconds, he dies. Yeah, if I wrote you come down, back, he dies. What a smelly bitch. It looks like Evil Ed tells Angel Eyes the deal. They do. They bail. Yeah, they have 20 seconds to leave. He starts counting down. 19. He's like, are you willing 18, to negotiate? He's like, I'm 17, willing to talk. 16. It's like Big Lebowski. He's got the uh, president's ring finger with the presidential ring on it as proof he opens that they got his ass. Out. And as they leave, he does this weird-ass exhale. He's like, Satisfaction. Job Guaranteed. well done. Cut to angel eyes, loading a revolver. He wants to try a rescue. Snake Plissken is led into the office and given a deal. They go over his old rap oh, sheet. Oh, right. He's got two like purple he's, hearts. Yeah, he has like a great war record from, I guess, World War Three. Yeah, he's in Leningrad and Siberia. He flew the Gulf Fire over Leningrad. What was his thing? I didn't quite catch it. Like, American Lieutenant Special Forces Unit Black Flag? Was that his <laughs> unit? Was it Black Flag? I don't remember, but they all have 
code names. Like, uh, Hauk was in one himself. It's called, like, Texas Thunder. Basically, um, they tell him the president is trapped within the city. If you go in and get him, we'll wipe your record clean. Free yes. slate, buddy. He'll be free to go. Because he, he was the Federal Reserve Bank yeah. in New York City. That's why he's in deep shit. Yeah. And I really like the line. He's like, I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world. <laughs> I wrote that down. Skin. Snake, snakes of smoke. And he just says, who are you? And, like, lights a cigarette. Yeah, this, I thought his <laughs> acting was, like, was really good here. Like, he's yeah. just kind of sitting there, like, slowly listening to this guy. He just reaches over, grabs a cigarette off his desk, lights it. Takes it. his own cigarette. Well, I like yeah. when he's like, uh, I need you to save the president. He's like, president of what? And uh, he, he says, get a hours. new, he says, get a new president. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a fuck about your war or your president. At this point, I wrote, speak up, Snake. You're whispering. He's <laughs> pretty quiet. You're a quiet dude. What's the deal? You're, you're badass. You look great. Confidence. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> so I think he kind of uh, agrees to it. And yeah, Tom Atkins gives him the whole rundown and tells him about the city and the conditions in there and that they, certain parts actually have street lights and he thinks they have like a source of gasoline and he tells him about the crazies who are these night freaks who come out of the sewers I like the, the crazies because that's a yeah. Romero film probably another Romero reference yeah. that's what I figured so they take him to get geared up and he's getting ready to head out they swing him over by the medical bay saying they're gonna we're gonna give you like this injection that's gonna boost your immune system it's, it's nano machines it's yeah super, nano machines yeah. it's super cool dude <laughs> you don't fuck with a senator and it turns out he only has a little under 23 hours not 24 you said 24 they inject him with basically like these capsules that will uh, eventually erode and then burst the blood ventricles in his neck yeah, yeah. the carotid arteries he gets one on both sides of his neck they eventually dissolve over time and then they'll yeah. burst they're like heat sensitive small bombs like pin size just teeny tiny to, explosives yeah, yeah just enough to kind of get the blood going Which, you know no, I thought he, and he was on the wise too because at first he was like no I don't want that I don't need that I'm fine I like needles yeah, I agree. I don't like needles either. He goes to like strangle Hauk, the uh, doctor who, that's Cronenberg, that's that yeah. character. Um, he um, explains that if you get back within the last 15 minutes, we can diffuse them with x rays. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's that's like, right. what if I'm a little late? <laughs> don't be late. It's basically how they strong arm him into not just taking the plane and flying the fuck away from the city. Yeah, that's true. Because he called them on that. He knew he would probably just try to do that, like if they gave him a plane. Yeah, he would. The he, fungus he is choking the city. <laughs> 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 You're a lousy leader. Hoopa. Yeah, Snake played a, a lot of songs like protesting the current president. It, was, it got weird for like 15 minutes, but it, it moves pretty quick. <laughs> and yeah, the music in this next part is really cool when it gets into the glider. Yeah, it's tiny. Flicks a cigarette plane. butt. I mean, and that's the part where his face is all lit up green in the cockpit and it really looks like the games. Like, I haven't even played those games. Like uh, Metal Gear 3, Snake Eater. Snake Eater specifically. Yeah, yeah like, like when you start out the game, you're landing into the jungle and it's all shot in the cabin. You can look around, I think. I don't know. Yeah, you can. But it, it really looks like that. I think Hideo just took that shot. Ripped it off, man. Everybody's ripping off this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> Very influential. And there's some really cool miniatures at this part of Lower Manhattan. You can tell that they're, like, not the real buildings, but it looks really good anyway. And he lands on top of one of the Twin Towers. It's a pretty poor landing, but Snake can handle it. He, like, fucking pops some shit out. And, like, he almost falls off. But yeah, yeah he's able, like, it's like a rope himself. that snags it. It's not like a helicopter where you can just drop down. You have to, like, angle it in your trajectory just right, or else you're just gonna slide right off that building. That's yeah, and that rooftop's 
only so big. I was like watching this, I was like, how the fuck's he even gonna land on that? Like, there's so much shit on a roof. Better fucking you know? play pilot wings. I think on the buildings, they were pretty flat. Get good. We're 28 minutes and 39 seconds into the movie. Mission started. I couldn't believe that a half hour had already gone by. Like, it yeah. felt like this movie had only been going for like five minutes. Yeah, this movie actually yeah. like slides by. It does. The times that we watched it together just to watch it and didn't take notes, like it did, it kind of flew by. I noticed that like some of the characters that we meet, like Brain and Maggie, I don't think we meet until the movie is a little bit more than half over. Like that's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Really good pacing. He hot wires the elevator and he takes it down. It can only go as far as the 50th floor because it's probably some decrepit abandoned building really at this point. And he has to walk the rest of the way down after that. It's a cool thing too, like when he's on the 50th floor, like in the background out of focus, you see some like creepy figure. That's... He doesn't even notice. Oh, and it's not even brought up in the film. I thought that was a really great shot. It's like, and there's a little stinger too. Like there was a, there was like a little, like a sharp little note that played when he went by, yeah. but it wasn't like overbearing. It's almost like a jump scare, but it's not really one. There it are... got me, dude. I didn't expect that. It's pretty haunting and it doesn't seem to like reference it it just moves along yeah like i think it just thing. creates a presence of the city if there could be on any floor of any one of these buildings there could be weirdos just hanging around that's literally right weirdos running around yeah <laughs> he gets out of the building and everything's just like fucking burning and broken it's crazy yeah welcome to east st louis i guess <laughs> it's um, nuts he's decently armed though he's got what i believe to be like a machine pistol it looks like the tmp that thing yeah. can hold apparently yeah. so much ammo because we never see him reload it. It's like the RCP90 hey man, GoldenEye. Infinite ammo. You guys will get that out there. Kenneth. <laughs> Monocle Ken will get that. Yeah, yeah. Spuds for you, Kenneth. Yeah. Just kidding, I'm drinking that shit. But yeah, no, he does have like infinite ammo. Even the Duke uses it at some point. He's not reloading either. Yeah, it's just, just going. It's an energy spraying. He brought in his post-game weapon. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, already they're... on New Game Plus already. <laughs> Yeah, he sees the wreckage of Air Force One, and there's a lot of fires burning. He gets a read on the president's location on his little tracker bug. Because they gave him a tracker as well. They gave yep. him, like, a button that'll, if he pushes it, it'll track his motions for 15 minutes. At this point in the film, I had, was taken away, I guess, at the scale of the film. It has really large scale. It's a wide film. Like, even on a widescreen TV, you've got pretty good-sized black bars. Huge depth of field. Lots of shots where Snake looks incredibly small compared to everything. Like, it gives a really good sense of foreboding like yeah. the place that he's in he's trained for this but I mean he's even he's gonna have a hard time Carpenter made a point of creating it seemed like a feeling of the city and, and like the way it's lit and like, the way it's shot and everything it, it gives you this really good sense of place yeah it does a really good job of making it seem like it's a real place it's, it's really good so he finds the decrepit old theater and the prisoners are putting on a show which is nice I, I mean yeah. they got like a talent night I, I thought, thought that this was, was so interesting yeah I thought that was really cool and it does sound kind of like a cheesy old Broadway show tune. Yeah, they're kind of mocking the situation that they're in. This Everyone's one dude in the audience it. is really digging it. Like, he's way yeah, into this. Yeah, Ford 90s loving it. Oh, man, this part made me think of Lisa. Even in a civilization like this, the arts will still come through. Like, there's just <laughs> fundamental human needs that yeah, need to be I fulfilled. I like the song. It's like, yeah. no more Yankees. Strike the word from your mind. This is hell. This is fate. This is your world and isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool it's a cool little song that they made up yeah Snake he slips into the back he's not trying to draw any attention to himself because he wants to get in and get out Cabby notices him though and Cabby yeah. recognizes him everyone does in this movie everybody yeah, knows who Snake deal? is it's like he's a celebrity among these kind of underworld <laughs> creep types yeah they slip and I like this little graffiti of it looks like just colon. the word colon yeah leading down <laughs> probably written in shit probably I like that and I like how the camera kind of takes uh, the POV of Snake yeah and as yeah. he's walking down the stairs and it gets dark and it's like winding around yeah, it moves around this really kind of fluid kind of analog kind of way yeah and it's like he really is walking into the colon those steps were spooky. even Cabby was like he was like hey Snake you don't want to go down there yeah, <laughs> yeah so Cabby startles him he turns his gun on him he recognizes Snake and he warns him not to go down there he's the first one of the people like eight people in this movie say I thought you were dead which I was going to ask you Sean because I know you've seen this movie I heard it was a reference to the searchers everybody says that to John oh, Wayne oh yeah Ethan he kind of comes back to the family everyone does say that he thought he was dead in that yeah. movie and he, this is kind of like the searchers actually now that you bring it up John Wayne's character he just kind of rolls into the family at the beginning of the movie finds out that his nieces were kidnapped by Indians and he gets a party going and goes to find them Wayne is kind of like a reserved guy in that movie a lot like Snake is but everybody yeah. knows who the fuck Wayne is it, yeah it's kind of a lot like that so eight times total I lost count after oh, I, five I exaggerated I think it was more like five. Oh, it was a like lot a, of characters that he encounters all thought he had died yeah, yeah it's like the running gag of the movie um, yeah. like Cabby <laughs> Brain the Duke. the Duke and I think like one or two other people I think maybe Maggie did and yeah he walks through the dimly lit basement of this theater and there's this really weird thing with like these three guys like dancing around and just passing this unconscious woman back yeah. and forth a true dungeon yeah and like they even like tear her shirt open like, and yeah, there's a group a, of crazies playing past the attic a hobo there trying just trying to make some yeah like that peace. part like Snake um, he looks vaguely concerned but yeah he just keeps going because like he knows he has to, to move along because he's on a schedule very yeah. tight schedule so. he almost gets jumped but CQC yeah. saves the day well, there's this old like homeless looking guy I guess they're all homeless but <laughs> he's like hey chief nice boots I like your boots it's like no they're mine no <laughs> and then like three guys like creep up behind him and try to rob him or maybe kill him and he quickly deals with them yeah CQC brother knocks all doesn't even need to use his gun just knocks him out and then the guy's like oh well Easy. I'm moving on. I'm out of here. I don't like those boots. Yeah. I don't like them. He follows the tracker to a guy who is looks like he's beating on the head of the president because he's yep. wearing the thing on his wrist. Yeah, it's this guy. It's His back is to the camera, and he's bent over another man in a sink, like a large sink, pummeling the shit out of his... You can hear like just the meat squishing. It's like pretty gross. This guy must be pretty tough because he's yeah. in face bite because he turns around, and it's actually just some toothless old coot. He has yeah. crazy bob. He's, he's like, like yeah. look at my I, neat watch. I, I, I am the president. I'm I knew free. as soon as I got this watch that I'd be the president. <laughs> Hail to the chief. Really good crazy acting. It is. Yeah, he's solid. <laughs> he smashes it and then the thing just flatlines and everyone's like, oh, fuck. And the Cronenberg guy's like, it could just be something with the machine itself. It might it might be okay. He makes his way to the empty pod. After that point, Snake talks to Hauk over this little two-way. Because the trail's and he cold. he thinks that he's dead. Oh. He's like, they ate him for dinner. Hauk just like makes him stay. He's not ready to give up yet. You've still got 19 hours, Snake. You can find yeah. him. Yeah, Snake walks down this alleyway with this really cool, like, green kind of fluorescent yeah. lighting. It this shot, really it made me think of Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, wicked bad. Like, yeah. this one specifically, like that. It's not like a bright green. It's almost like a whitish green. Yeah, it's that the, the life energy like from that green. game. Yeah, from, like, the Mako reactors. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really cool. The ground is all damp. It looks like it had rained recently, and it's all reflecting. It looks really yeah. neat. This barbarian just, like, yeah. roaming like, the streets. Conan, like, crazy Fred. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like tapping clank, manhole clank, covers clank. with the old pipe. And Snake's like, what the fuck? And he decides to follow him because I'm like, this guy's leading you somewhere. Yeah. Uh-oh, all the chuds start coming up out yeah, of the sewer. Yeah, there's way dude. more of them all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, it's the God. crazies. And it's these, yeah. Yeah, all these gross-looking sewer people. He has sewer basically coming up, up, Basically coming up to feed or whatever and it is. And they all they start do. moving yeah, in his general do? direction. But it's interesting because a lot of them actually just move up the street right past him. So it's sort of like, do they want him or are they just, what are they doing? And he hides in a chock full of nuts, which is full of rats. Like it's this yeah. kind of diner Yeah, place. that's right. That's not the diner from Seinfeld, is it? No. Oh, okay. I thought the exterior shot was. I don't think it is anyway. All of a sudden, there's, you know, some broken loose planks of wood in this diner floor. And there's a woman there, right? A woman. Yeah, it's played by Susan Hubley, who was, or maybe, and maybe still is, Kurt Russell's real life wife. She's another character that recognizes Snake. Yeah, that was the other person. We that, don't that learn. I think that makes five. Yeah, we don't learn anything about that. We don't really learn much about her either. <laughs> no, but, she doesn't stay long. I think she was heading home to like wherever her turf was, but she stayed out too late, so she had to hide out in there because she, she didn't want to be stranded. Out. And she's amazed he has real cigarettes, which I thought was nice of them to let Snake bring his real smokes in there. Well, they do that in the Metal Gear games as well, where you can yeah. bring in your cigarettes or your cigars and you can smoke just yeah. for the sake of it. You can use it to detect like lasers and stuff, but it also depletes yeah. your health. Yeah. It's like not fun it's to trade off. with it. Yeah. And she explains that crazies are out of food because it's the end of the month. The beginning of the month, they do these food drops, I guess, in Central Park. And she really thinks he's a cop. She's like, you're a cop. He's like, I'm an asshole. And yeah, she wants to go with him when, when he leaves and they almost like start making out and the crazies bust through the floor. Yeah, the people yeah. under the stairs reach up and just yeah. grab her. Yeah, they start busting through walls and floors and just grab everything. Snake flees and down an alley and wouldn't you happen to know Cabby just rolls right up. You hear that music? It's like it's like the save point in Resident Evil 4 where yeah. you're just like, holy fuck, what a relief. <laughs> Take a break. Yeah, he like has to run and gun through like a bunch of windows and hallways and there's mm-hmm. this, I love this great shot. He just shoots a whole hole in a doorway. Jumps through. It's cool. Yeah. Shoots some guy's hand off? Doesn't he do that? I don't remember that. He's like Maybe. blows some guy's hand off. One of the crazy's hands reaching yeah, through when, the Yeah, wall. when he tries to grab him. And he's like, ow! And so there's like a little, <laughs> But um, that cabbie pulls up. You know what the scene reminded me of? It reminded me of that part in Roger Rabbit when uh, Eddie the cabbie came up. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, got them when they were like on the run or on the yeah. land. Yeah. It's like, move out of the way, pencil neck. <laughs> A lot of bad drivers in the city, huh? And he's making small talk with these guys. The cabbie is like, hey, Snake, you shouldn't be in here this late at night. It's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. Driving around 30 years. He's it's just, terrible. He's just talking like it's another Thursday night for him. Yeah. yeah. Typical day in the life of cabbie. And hey, well, he's saying this, he's grabbing a bottle of what looks like either whiskey or, no, it's gas. It's gasoline. And, yeah, um, yeah he's got like a ready-made supply of Molotovs in his, his passenger seat. His milk is fortified with what the world wants. Lights his ass up, this alley up. It reminded yeah. me of like that crazy shit in that alley in Highlander. It's everything that's going nuts. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part of the whole film. It's so good. In the cab, Cabby explains who the Duke of New York is. He's uh, yeah. a number one, the big man. He yeah. has the president and he wants to meet him like nobody gets to meet nobody the duke. gets to meet the duke you meet him once and then you're dead yeah the duke's evil we also learned that cabby doesn't like leaving his cab behind he, like, yeah he's really very attached to this car his cab is his home probably <laughs> yeah i mean you're that right. was probably was his livelihood before new york got turned into a jail and 
since then it's probably been his home and i mean that's the thing it's like him the duke and like probably four other guys in the whole city actually have an automobile oh I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like a high status thing probably that's true actually yeah to even have gas in this world is probably pretty amazing 17 hours left on the clock they walk up the steps of what looks like a big library and he's like tells like snake you can relax this is a better neighborhood it's like thanks because he looks at the clock yeah and maggie opens the door and, and lets him in Ooh, man it's like wizard of oz right here when he's yeah. banging on the door with his shoe day bow bow day bow Oh boy. She's she's good looking. She's wearing a very low-cut nightgown. Apparently, Maggie is the trophy wife that the Duke gave to this guy. Just awarded him to keep, yeah. to keep Brain happy because he needs Brain. <laughs> brain does all the thinking. Yeah, he needs to get some Brain. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I gotta take a piss. He doesn't know how to Brain, bro. So they go in. It is a library. Probably formerly the New York Public Library. I know they have like an oil well or something right in that building. Yeah, yeah they have discovered the some uh, petroleum there. Which is interesting. Maggie asks Snake, I thought you were dead. Snake recognizes Brain, played by Harry Dean Sin, as his old friend Harold Hellman. And it turns out that they robbed a bank together four years ago in Kansas. Kansas City, as Snake puts it, Brain left him hanging there, and he's like, you were late. Don't blame me. <laughs> uh, side note, Brain has a cool neckerchief. He does. He's styling. It's looking good. Stylish. It's looking real good in this. Well, he's pretty high up on the uh, in the hierarchy here. Like, <coughs> I mean, he's right in there with the Duke, so he's probably got like some of the best lodgings. Get some of the hookups. They don't hand out neckerchiefs like that. And yeah, Snake pulls a gun on him, and then Maggie pulls a gun on Snake. Right yeah. off. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. It's like a wild zero when everyone draws oh, guns yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> and they mentioned that I didn't catch this I don't think originally the Duke has a plan to bust everybody out at the big old jail there yes by using the president essentially his plan is they're all gonna get in their cars and they're gonna ride out with the president strapped to the hood of the front one pretty cool it's foolproof how could it go wrong and they all walk out into the street together as they work out a deal they'll hitch a ride on snake's glider he'll get them out of the city and cabby I like cabby's line here it's like that's the Duke I know the sound of his engines. And they have this whole motorcade that comes in. Like, funky music starts playing. Yeah, like, this, this guy's got, like, old caddy with chandeliers on its hood just yeah. falls down the street. And, and it's like, what the disco hell? ball hanging from the rearview mirror. So <laughs> classy. Like, one of the best intros for a character I think I've seen in a long cool. time. Yeah, Cabby just bails on them. Yeah, he's like, fuck this, I'm he's out. He's like, I don't want to get on the wrong side of the Duke. And, oh, yeah, Romero is in the important car, too. He's, like, in the back seat hanging out. Yeah, he's, like, a left-hand like right, yeah, Duke Right-hand, left-hand. He's both hands. Yeah, right gives hand. the Duke both hands. Your right hand comes off, maybe. And yeah, the Duke is looking for brain. <laughs> I'm assuming that's because he needs gas for this venture. He's got the map for the minefield that's on the bridge because all right. the bridges are just like loaded up. Yeah, because apparently brain is the only one that understands how to read the maps, and he's also the only one that has knowledge of where the bombs are. So it's like yeah. that sucks. He's got all the shit. <laughs> yeah. And Snake he beats down this henchman that looked to me like kind of like Kramer from Seinfeld, and helps himself to a car, and they all get in. And they take Broadway against Maggie's protests. Full of trash throwers. A bunch of trash people. So many bottle kids. Like. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> bottle kids. 
kids. It's such a rough neighborhood. It's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, these people are just like literally standing around. Like hundreds of people probably. The streets mm -hmm. are just lined with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing rocks at their car and eventually just like running up to it and beating it with like their hockey sticks or whatever the fuck. Yeah. They gotta like shoot a couple off. It's like yep. crazy. Because they grab it and they're like trying to pull them out of the car. The only reason they went this way is just basically to save. Brain said it would save them like seven minutes so they could get to where the president is before Duke does. Yeah, it's like a race. They run into like this wall of cars. Uh, Snake turns around and then floors it in reverse and they're able to bust through it. Yeah, that was a pretty slick move. Snake and Brain eventually arrive at a rail yard and the president's in one of the train cars. They gotta get in there. And it's another kind of shot like we were talking about with like the random guy in the background in the World Trade Center building. In focus, you see Brain and Maggie walking ahead and then out of focus on the top of the train cars, you see uh, Snake kind of scurrying across them. It looks a lot like a Metal Gear. It's really cool. And Brain tries to like talk his way in too and they won't let him in. Yeah, so I guess at this point you find out that Brain orders. is in control of the gas? I think so. I think he was the one that figured out how to uh, get it out of the ground. Like he's the one that can produce it, but that's like the only real reason to keep him around because nobody respects him really and Everybody's all. kind of annoyed by him. He's always snooping around. <laughs> and he's funny, like he asks him like, hey, how's the president doing? Had any interesting uh, political discussions? Yeah. <laughs> Snake sneaks his way into the cab with the president in it in that train car. And he kills a couple guards. Yeah, the president has like a serious black eye and stuff. Yeah, he looks pretty messed up and he's like quivering. Snake's like, quit shaking. But he gets hit in the leg by like a crossbow. Yeah, he yeah. takes an arrow to the knee. Yeah, that's what I wrote. <laughs> and he's like, stop shaking. He's like, I can't. Yeah. How he killed him was pretty sweet though. He just took a knife and like threw it and embedded like what, three inches into this guy's face? Right yeah. into his forehead, yeah. That's cool. And he's like, get move fast. He's like, you're goddamn right, I'll move fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll move faster than you ever seen. Yeah, they kind of try to sneak by on the other side of the train. They're found out. Evil Ed and Duke, they approach Snake. And we get another sharp scarecrow. This one got me because I wasn't expecting this one. When Evil Ed jumps out of, out of the train, he kind of maneuvers out of the way in this weird way. <laughs> There's a, a couple spooky shots in this movie. The Duke's whole gang, yeah, they look like they're right out of the Warriors. I think uh, Rain's afraid they're just gonna kill Snake, so he's like, something's going down, we need him. The Duke, he's um, asking him who he is, but Snake's not gonna talk. So he grabs the arrow that's already in his leg and starts to twist, twist it. it. Yeah. Try to get to tell him who the hell he is. Eventually, he just knocks Snake out. Find out there's 12 tire hours. Iron. Yeah, there's 12 hours left on the clock when he starts to come to, I guess. And there's a surveillance chopper that flies around, and they notice things are like out of the ordinary. They're like, there's like nobody above ground, there's no fires, like what's going on? They could sense something some <laughs> strange. kind of cleaned up in what's the neighborhood. Happened? Angel Eyes, we find out he hasn't heard from Snake forever, and the sun is starting to rise at this point. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, around. it's finally light out. And yeah, Snake wakes up, he's sort of surrounded by all these uh, gangsters. and They look like guys from Lisa. Glasses <laughs> and like Yeah, yeah one guy's got like these two-tone glasses. Like one lens is normal, and the other one's like red-tinted. But basically what they're doing is they're stitching him up and getting him ready for combat because he's going to WWE Raw. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, Raw is war. We hear gunshots in the distance and we see Duke's got the president chained to a he's wall. He's doing some target practice. Yeah, he's taking like pot shots around the president. He's like, playing with his new toy. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, what's my name? And he's like, you're the Duke of New York. A number one. He shoots some more. I was like, Say what's my louder. name? He's like, you're the Duke of New York, A number one. And the crowd loves it, dude. Yeah, they're all cheering. Oh, yeah, every they're time he at him. And he finds his tape and his important business papers. Yeah, because he shoots the briefcase and yeah. it pops open. And then yeah. he sends... Evil Ed walks up, dances Romero. up, and like rubs the president's face and takes yeah. the tape. Snake has a, a sick belly tat of oh, a yeah, snake. Oh, yeah, of a snake, of That's a cobra. Cool. Mighty cobra. Sick belly tat, bro. Cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> subtle. Yeah, then we see the fucking choppers fly to Central Park for the do the food drops, and they get flagged down by all the prisoners, try to get their attention, and they leave the uh, briefcase. briefcase. And in the briefcase, there's like written demands about like basically, if you want the president back in one piece, you have to let everybody out of jail. Around this point, Brain figures out how a snake actually got in. He learns that the little gliders on one of the trade center towers. Because it's the yeah. only place where he could have realistically landed. Yeah, so he's like, we don't really need Snake, Maggie. We can get the hell out of here. And speaking of his cadence, there's, there's this one line where there's almost like no gap between the words he says. He's like, that son of a bitch Pliskin God, I hate him. Well, the whole thing just rolls off his tongue. I know, it's, it's pretty great. So they lead Snake to the wrestling ring where he's gonna have to fight Zangief. Yeah, he's got less than two hours left on the clock. <laughs> yeah, as he's being walked in there, there's this guy being walked out. It's just a bloody mess. And this guy's big though. It's like He's a big, strong muscle of a man. I don't even remember mm -hmm. like Bluto from the Three Stooges, that wrestler he, guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he looks like that motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, his mustache could like knock people out. Yeah. It's crazy. As he's being let in, he notices that one of the guys, he has his motion tracker from earlier, so he can push that to let the brass know that he's still alive. The dude puts his arms up. That's the part where he kind of silences the crowd almost instantly. And he says, uh, when we all drive out there, across 69th Street Bridge, they put their best man in here. I'm gonna put his head on the hood of my car. It was like, yeah. Yeah, they love it. They give them like clubs, dude. They give them bats, dude. Yeah, it's a full house bats. to this event. There's so many people watching. Brain and Maggie head into the executive room. Yeah, they run into Romero again. Oh. And he's got Cabby's hat. He does, Look, I yeah. created it. <laughs> Doesn't it look good on me? Yeah. <laughs> I'd fuck my. I'd fuck my. <laughs> Would you fuck my? Is a great big fat pull, Brain? <laughs> Great big fat president. And the president has a fucking blonde wig on him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Looks that like a pretty, pretty lady. He's on celebrity makeover. Brain tells Ed, he's, Ed's like, you're not supposed to be here. Romero tells Brain, you're not supposed to be here. And Brain's like, he's got cyanide capsules. I gotta cut out yeah. of him. You know, we don't want a dead president. Hey. Yeah, he tries to be worthless. Talk his way in. Yeah. Ed doesn't really buy it, man. But he lets him in anyway. Like, he's got his suspicions, but yeah, yeah, lets him in. They wind up just killing him. <laughs> Brain just stabs Ed right in the gut. Yeah. Maggie's, Maggie's three guns down. Yeah, oh, yeah. three. Three bullets, three dead people. So baby, a triple. <laughs> oh, baby, a triple. <laughs> Romero even dies in like a weird way too, where it's yeah, like it's, his face is just like wide open in a gas, like it's, someone just jumped out, surprised him. It's like, really like dramatic, like really theatrical. Again, it kind of reminded me of Brad Dorf and Dune, where he's like, Ugh! yeah, well, it made me think of Evil Ed too, yeah. when he was dying, when he was a werewolf, and he was like, no, please help me. Yeah, and then we have like a little shot of them fighting in the ring, but then back to Brain and Maggie, they lead the president away. Don't but they, somebody spots him. They switch out the clubs and they give him a shield, a trash can shield, and a spiked bat. Yeah, the yeah. Stakes in this fight. Giant ghetto gladiator and snake. They fight. He falls down. Snake does. And right as he's going in for the kill, the other guy he springs back up and nails him in the back of the head with one of those nails on his bat. Yeah, yeah he really nailed it. Yeah, just like a snake, <laughs> dude. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! The crowd is totally on his side now. They almost immediately start chanting "Snake." Yeah, it sounds snake, like super snake. snake. Smash Brothers all of a sudden. <laughs> it was just like in Rocky V. The crowd yeah. started to cheer for Rocky instead of Drago. Oh, shit, that was Rocky. Um, that was pretty cool. Duke is pissed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, and right the then he activates that tracer like you were talking about. Angel Eyes and fucking Rami the gear up. Oh, and one guy, I really like his shield. It was one guy in the crowd, he has a shield. It's just like a giant round Coca-Cola logo. <laughs> yeah, it was on his back. And there's one hour, right, on the clock left? Something now. like that. That guy who saw them was like, they took the president. Tom 
seconds, he runs up and tells Halka that the trace has been flipped on. It's like, I knew that son of a bitch was alive. He's headed towards the WTC. Oh, yeah, there's a interesting line I wrote down, too, after you brought up the searchers earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. Snake runs into a shootout on the roof. Yeah. Rain and Maggie are holding off a gang. Goddamned Redskins. They're savages, Mr. President. And then the gang pushes the plane off of the roof. Right. That was an interesting line to me, because I was like, what? Are they supposed to be, like, native or something? Well, <laughs> I didn't um, understand. They're native New Yorkians. Oh. Yeah, speaking of the Warriors, I think that was kind of, like, the look that they were going for. The main gang that you follow. Because, like, they all had some weird theme. There was one that, like, they dressed up like baseball players. Yeah, that's right. And, like, they all had some kind of weird theme like that. Oh, so they went with, like, the Redskins? Yeah, going with, like, a Native American motif, okay. I guess. I don't think that's a direct line from the Searchers, but that seems like a line that would be in that movie. They push the plane off, and then it's like, oh, man, fuck, that game over, man. That was our way out. Like, yeah. we are so pro-no-bone now. I've been left for dead. Snake catches up to them, and he gets the president back, and um, he's really pissed at Brain, but he doesn't kill him because Brain knows where the tape is. Yeah. He knows where the tape is, and he still has the minefield map. And then Duke catches up to him. And, yeah, they got um, his car. Is that what it was standing in front of him? I couldn't tell what that steaming, smoking thing was in front of him, some kind of machine. I'm not really sure I thought what it was, was like the gutted engine of the car. Like, he just put it there. It oh. could have been, because it looked like they took the engine out because they opened up the hood, and there's a guy in it. What yeah. a monster. <laughs> what a monstrous monster. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you know, again, Cabby pulls up. Yeah, he redeems himself from earlier <laughs> when he just ran away scared. Yeah, they make Duke eat their dust. See ya, bitch. Yeah, Snake shoots that steam, whatever it was, and distracts them enough to let them get away. I didn't get it until, I think, this viewing that, yeah, okay, Cabby traded his hat for that tape, because probably he told him the tape had more music on it, and that's why it winds up in his Oh, cab. yeah, you're right. Snake chooses to keep the tape, and we got 23 minutes <laughs> left on the clock. It's yeah, and time. they put it on, and it's just like random science junk. I don't know what it exactly is. Something about chemical about. weapons, I think. Yeah, yeah or nuclear weapons or that's something. That's the big threat. where the like Patriots they, are. Yeah, they need to get the president to talk to the Chinese and the Russians. A weapon to surpass Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, there's a threat of nuclear war, apparently, if the president doesn't get this tape out. Yeah, it seems like they've already been fighting each other for a while. And, yeah. like, this could, like, solve the problem if they can figure all this shit out. So that's why that's so important. Duke is in hot pursuit. Yeah, the Duke mobile. And now they're onto the bridge. Yeah. And, like, there's one part where they barely miss a mine. Like, it blows up right next to the car, but they make it through. Yeah, because apparently a Brain's map isn't as good as he thought it was because there are a couple of them in places where they shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's a little off. Yeah, because there's a mine that they hit and the cab splits in half. Everyone's okay, but Except <laughs> poor, Cabby. poor Cabby. Sadly, oh. he gets God blown damn. out. God damn it, Cabby. He's the most tragic figure in this film. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's always kind of a bummer when he eats it. Um, but um, they run off on the bridge and Brian tries to stop them. And yeah, this is when right. he steps on a landmine. He's, he's like, like, no, you don't go that way. He's just running after them. It's like he's so pissed off he forgets to be like, oh yeah, I should look out for mines. And he gets blown sky high. And Maggie He's pretty sad. This movie was genuinely touching because she's like legit bum. Like she just loses all resolve and decides to stay and fight instead. Yeah, she asks Snake for the gun and he gives it to her and she just fires wildly at Duke, the Duke mobile flying at her. But sadly she gets smushed. Yeah, like I don't think Duke was even trying to kill her. I don't think he could even tell where the shots were coming from, but he crashed into a car, which made the car that he hit crash into her yeah. and she gets kind of flattened. We were at 14 minutes on the clock and the, the car are about to pick them up. They're all rolling in. They're yeah, Atkins out. tells Hauk 
what's going on. And then he calls Cronenberg on the biggest walkie-talkie anybody has ever <laughs> oh seen. My God. It's like it's twice the size of his head. It's fucking hilarious. I it's like prop that. comedy. Dude, you have to see that shit. It's like this motherfucking big. With a, That's pretty big. With like a foot-long antenna sticking off top of that. It's hilarious. And they lower a rope for a snake and the president to climb up. The president goes first. He gets of up course. over the wall. No problem. Snake mm-hmm. starts to go up the wall. It's like a minute and a half left. Yep, and they stop it halfway, and you think, oh, double cross. They got well, what yeah. they wanted. Well, Fuck Duke snake. shows up, and he kills those two guards that were going to yeah, help him out. He starts up. shooting at Snake, and he's got to like quickly duck. It's that CQC coming in. And, <laughs> yeah, and they tussle around a bit. Snake gets free, and then the president goes ape shit. Yeah, that's like the president was the one that stopped the rope yeah. for whatever reason. To use him as bait. That's exactly ah. what it was to me. Is like He wanted to personally kill this guy who had terrorized him, so he used Snake as bait. Bait, dangled him in midair and then opened up on him. Was like, you're the Duke. You're the Duke. Hey, number one. <laughs> That, I, was like that the, makes sense. Yeah, it checks out. That was the one time where, I don't know, it's because he was so impassioned, but like Donald Pleasance, you can actually hear his English accent. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to have a backstory about why the fuck the president is English, because that doesn't make sense. I thought he had a pretty convincing, sort of generic American accent for most of the movie. He yeah, did. I thought so. Then they lift him up. Snake makes it over. And he busts ass over to the doctor, who gives him the injection with, like, what, 15 seconds to go? Yep. Yeah. Cronenberg defuses him. Just fucking so close. But one even before that, left. he still has to give him the tape. And yeah, it's like literally he looks at his watch after all, but it's two seconds. Like the wild eye look, yeah, it was awesome. That's solid snake. Yeah. <laughs> and it cuts to the president getting the shaves for his TV appearance. Yeah, getting some makeup, you know, making him look pretty for the and telly. Thank you to Snake. And Snake is smoking a cigarette. And I was thinking about like, that's probably the best cigarette he's ever smoked or will ever smoke. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Imagine after yeah. that day and after like being seconds away from dying. All that adrenaline probably coursing through his body. It's going to yeah. feel good. And Snake talks to him and he's like, we got you out. A lot of people died. Know how you feel about that? Yeah, the president says I thank them, and the nation thanks them. As he's like looking in the mirror, and yeah, like doesn't really fixing his seem face. to give much of a shit. Yeah, and he's like, I'm on the air in two minutes or something. So Snake like wanders off. Yeah, it's very half-hearted. I don't know. It's not very genuine. He doesn't seem like a good guy. No, he doesn't. And Hauk asks Snake, like, you still gonna kill me? Because that's right at the beginning of the movie. He's like, when I get back. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, and he's like, nah, I'm too tired. Maybe later. <laughs> and Hauk offers him a job, and he doesn't really answer him. Hopefully an escape from L.A. Like, I'm kind of curious if he took him up on that. Probably call, not, but... He maybe. calls him Snake, too. But then he's like, the name's Pliskin. Yeah, yeah. Like at the beginning of the, of the movie, he calls him Pliskin. He's like, the name's Snake can't win with this guy. Yeah, dude, he's just always trying to mess with Angel Eyes. President gets on TV and plays the tape, and yeah. what is it? It's Cavi's tape! What the shit? Pulled the old switcheroo. Holy cow. Now he's got egg on his face. He's got an omelet on his face, bro. It turns out Snake still has the tape. and He destroys it. Pulls out the tape, yeah. Breaks it in half. Theoretically, could you still use that tape? Just wind it up in a new tape? Yeah, I'm sure if somebody found it, it, like and if it was that important you could repair it it might be a pain in the ass but they could probably do it unless you actually ripped the tape to shreds which he did like he was ripping it out and then he like snapped it in half so it was a really cool way to kind of close the movie because the main theme from the beginning kicks on again as he's just yeah, walking bum, away bum, oh yeah bum, 
So uh, speaking of the searchers again, this is kind of how the searchers ends. After they get the nieces back and everything happens, uh, there's a family reunion in their house again, and John Wayne's just standing in the doorway, watching everybody and smiling, and they run into the next room, and John Wayne leaves the house and wanders into the desert, just like oh. Snake Plissken does in this film. Wanders I guess to yeah. return to the margin, I guess, because Snake would have been on the outside of the margin, but brought into the center of action, and now he's yeah. back in the margin. Or he's Nobody probably more, maybe more comfortable. Yeah, nobody seems to care that he did a lot of work for them. There's a lot of that in this movie, I guess. I guess wondered about a few things after the movie ended was like, one thing's like, why do you think he destroyed the tape? Just to be a dick? Because or... I don't give a damn about your war or the president. <sighs> I'm an anarchist. I believe in a world without borders. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's brought up in one of the Metal Gear games, actually. Like, Metal Gear 2 or 3, they bring up anarchists' philosophy. It's, I don't know, that game's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the whole series is nuts. The thing is, it's like, what could the consequences be from his actions? And they sort of imply earlier in the movies, like, is this going to be the fucking end of the world if the shit doesn't turn out right? Yeah, yeah. like, I wondered, is like, that uh, much of just a nihilistic character? What happened after he played that tape and the music starts going? Like, I mean, was it a nuclear holocaust? That's the thing, that? it's like, he clearly... <laughs> they just pushed the button. Yeah, I think like, he clearly, you know, by what he did in this movie, does not want to die and, like, is all looking out for himself. Even from a purely selfish perspective, if a nuclear war happens, you're probably going to die with everybody else, too. Maybe he didn't really think that was going to yeah. happen. I almost think it was just... If, think, the, if the president wasn't in such a dick, maybe he would have given them the real tape. I think that's one last little it stick him. it. Yeah, stick yeah. it to the man sort of stinger. Yeah, because the president was a dick, and, you know, he was a veteran for the country, and then forced yeah. into, I'm assuming, forced into robbing something, you know? I wouldn't assume that. I feel like I don't know enough about the character to know what his motivations might be. Yeah, that's true. You don't get a lot of backstory. You know, he did a lot for the country and, and yeah. ended up in this that crazy situation. He don't appreciate that. I mean, that's the thing. is like, yeah, what do you think happened in the world after that? Well, we were talking about it earlier. I yeah. think that the escape from L.A., they built a second maximum security prison yeah. in L.A. because they needed two now because everything just went fucking crazy Got even worse. That. It went up to like 600% or like 800 <laughs> or something. You know? 1,200%. Over 9,000%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It got crazy. There is another movie. That's what I'm hoping is an escape from L.A. We'll find out. Maybe we week. learn more about Snake. Yeah. That would more be More about the world. Yeah. I wonder if Donald Pleasance is still in it. I'm wondering that too, like how many cast members returned. Donald Pleasance, maybe. Yeah, it's a thing. It's like so many characters died. Obviously, Harry Dean Stanton there, Adrian Barbo, and uh, Ernest Borgnine, and mm -hmm. Isaac Hayes are all dead. Yeah, I wonder if Donald Pleasance is like still the president, like in Watchmen, like Nixon's the president for like 20 years or whatever. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. So I guess that wraps it up. So, Escape from New York gets an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes with an iron score of 3.4 out of 5. 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 3.52 out of 5. And rate your music. How would you guys rate Escape from New York? This movie was pretty damn good. I didn't really have like high expectations or low expectations. Like I had heard of that it was a pretty good flick, but it didn't really sway me in any way. But then after I watched it, I was like, wow, this movie is really good. The pacing is great. It goes by real fast. For a movie that takes place over only 24 hours, like it definitely feels that way. But it doesn't feel rushed or uh, incomplete because of it. Like It's still a, a solid flick, I think. I'd give this a 4 out of 5. Like This movie was really enjoyable. The acting's all great. The sets are awesome. The music's good. It's pretty hard to find fault with this movie. Movie, really I agree with Keith I didn't have any expectations going in I just knew it was like a major cult film yeah, I really did enjoy this the cinematography is awesome the matte paintings look really cool this is a cool atmosphere to the movie like it's all gross and dingy and run down and broken and everyone looks dirty like everyone kind of looks like the end of the Lord of the Rings and they all like <laughs> got shit on their faces and stuff everyone's 
is dirty. The acting is really good. Every character is pretty sweet. There are some like convenient plot points like Cabby popping in every once in a while. It's like a little comic booky, but I think it works because it's like this movie is almost going for a comic book thing. Like every shot looks like it came right out of a panel or something. It has that like pulp action feel to it. Yeah, the music is pretty solid. It does go by pretty quick. It's really easy to watch. It's interesting. It's just cool how these characters talk to each other. Like the writing is pretty cool. I don't know. You really care about the president at the end of the day or even Snake or any of these characters care about each other at all. I'd probably give it a 3.5 maybe. But yeah, it's a good one. I recommend it. <laughs> I think I'd also give this movie a 4. I was leaning on more of a 3.5 until like I watched it earlier today and got really into it. This movie feels like kind of like a classic in a way uh, that it's like just the way that it's made. You know, maybe this doesn't really set it apart from a lot of other movies of its era, but like just looking at it from 2017, teen, teen, teen. Um, <laughs> yeah, like see, all pre computers like even things like that we talked about that they could have done with computers they still didn't by necessity and great map paintings and production design and now the whole thing's on location they really found a city that was that fucked up and shot it there yeah the acting is really good the cinematography is excellent i think that's the case across pretty much all of john carpenter's films yeah it's a fact. hell of a cast even a lot of casual movie fans would probably look at this cast and be like holy shit all those people were in it and they all did a good job i did find myself caring about the characters like snake and the president not as much I really just wanted him to stay alive so that Snake could uh, not die. Snake! 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 It's unique. It doesn't really remind me of many other movies I've seen before. Maybe a little bit of They Live, another Carpenter film. Yeah, it's a cool movie. I'd call it like uh, maybe not a classic, but a classic of the genre. You know, if you like dystopian or post-apocalyptic science fiction, it's definitely a movie for you. I'd recommend it to uh, most people, I guess. Yeah. yeah, four to five. Yeah, I'd say if you're a fan of like Fallout, Metal Gear, Perfect Dark, it's probably worth checking out. Yeah, it influenced a lot of, I think, a lot of other movies and also definitely the video game world as well. So next week's movie is follow-up to this 1996's Escape from L.A., also directed by John Carpenter. Which brings us into our next thing. Check us out, MondoCoolMovies.com, or on iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and for a full list of places to check us out, go to MondoCoolMovies.com slash links. And some of our fans might have noticed that in most places, other than YouTube, really, only our two most recent episodes have been available to listen to because we've ran out of fucking money <laughs> and but we're gonna fix that soon everything will be restored everything will be as it once was the planets will realign the golden age will return we and, will rid uh, the galaxy of sin or but, whatever Ronan oh yeah, we like, cleanse uh, the galaxy <laughs> the galaxy yeah that's gonna happen if you contact us on Facebook Twitter or email you too can request a movie that's actually why we're doing Escape from LA next is we've only had really like one request on the show from our one fan Ken, only one fan over in Ireland and he, he wanted to see us do Escape from LA so we did Escape from New York first so we could do the whole series but yeah you can also request a movie facebook.com slash mondocoolmoviedudes please hit us up we would love to hear what you guys recommend to us twitter at mondocoolmovies and email mondocoolmovies at gmail.com so if you have anything nice or you know mean and cruel things you want to say to us <laughs> that's the place to do it and any ideas you have for movies we might not review them we might not review them right away but we'll take them into account we'll um, at least consider it so far we're one for one we've got to do yeah. it check it out so I guess that about wraps up this week's episode huh guys yeah, yeah I would say so I think it was a magical journey huh? this is a good time it's fun to be fun three people too there in podcast land well thank you guys for listening thanks for listening we'll see you next time Escape from LA bye bye we'll be back ta-ta for now Try to